Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... We won a game, we kept a clean sheet, it wasn't stressful, it's been a good weekend for Chelsea, and then the Conor Gallagher saga started. Ah, we can never have it easy. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with lions, festive lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Chris. What, What were your highlights from that weekend? Uh, really had to rush that. I was going to burp. I didn't want to do that down the mic. <laughs> oh, that, that's not what the listeners need. Um, I I played football again uh, the weekend for the first time. Apparently, I was told it was we, we only played uh, two weeks ago, but it feels like about six years. Um, <laughs> and I had and I had to play centre mid. I was very very tired, but I did score so. That was probably my highlight of the weekend. That is a bloody good highlight. What about what about you, Ollie? I've just been spending time with family. You know, Christmas time, you've got to be spending time with your loved yeah. ones. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, you know, Christmas time, mistletoe and wine. Other festive classics <laughs> are available. Um, <laughs> look, my, my highlight is, is a goal line clearance. It's not just good. It is the undisputed best of the year, in my opinion. And that is a good enough. Uh, we're going to take a trip down under to Australia where Perth Glory's John Catrumbis pulled off a magical piece of skill. So just picture it if you haven't seen it. It's a backheel clearance off the line, denying the Newcastle Jets from going 2-0 up. And guess what? For actual, for once, it bloody made an impact because it was the game changer because Perth Glory snagged a crucial point in a 2-2 draw. Uh, wow. It's bloody good. I've, I've, it's, I've retweeted it. It's on our feed. Check it out. It, it It's just worth watching. Just enjoy it. Very nice. Very nice. It really indeed. is. And you know what? The other thing I'm looking forward to with Christmas coming up soon is our is our little Christmas dinner that we're going to be doing. Yes. I'm really looking we'll forward be able to, to get that. there. Bloody hell. Yeah. He's Critical. looking at you, Berth. <laughs> He's not here. <laughs> He's not here again. God, <laughs> oh, bloody hell. On, uh, other than that, let's hit some news. Uh, Berth's not here again. That's a bit of breaking news, but... Uh, <laughs> No, before before we review the two games from the weekend, I'm just gonna I just want to touch on a bit of news from this morning surrounding a bit of a uh, bit of Conor Gallagher and his future. So, according to Athletic, sources close to Chelsea say they're prepared to listen to bids for Gallagher next month. This is despite Poch seeing him as a valuable member of the team, a player who wants to stay, and is one that's pretty much loved by a good proportion of the fans. But the ownership, this is I'm not mocking here. They see him as a pure profit sale. <laughs> It's that pure profit, uh, pure profit. I, I tell you, I don't know how you feel. I'm fucking pissed off about this. I'm pissed off. I am. I, do you know what? For me, it depends. I love Gallagher. I think he's a great example for the team. Um, but it, it depends on the price for me. If it's if it's anything under 65, 70 million, I wouldn't do it. Look, I'll let I'll, I'll let Chris on a minute. I just I just want to get this rant on it. I mean. It got me riled up because selling a player that the manager swears by, a player who's clearly bleeding passion for the club and wants to stay put, 
And, and and you hear that Todd Bowley and the team, what do they want to do? They they want to go ahead and sell him all in the name of making a quick buck, some some pure profit. Pure you know, profit. that to me, that's disgusting because and I don't use that lightly. You know, I've had I've had my own personal fair share of questions about this ownership and their decisions. And when Didier Drogba himself said he didn't recognise the club anymore, it's starting to hit a bit harder now because I'm starting to feel that way. You know, Clear Lake are running this club like they're flipping real estate. They're not realising the heart and the soul of it that lies in the players and the fans. You've got Gallagher. He cares about this club. A lot of them players possibly care about a paycheck. A lot of players that they've bloody signed themselves. And I don't know, I'm at this stage where I'm looking back, it's kind of getting a bit clearer that we might have ended up with the wrong people in charge. They don't understand how a football club runs or the importance of having players that play for that badge. You know, one thing, one on. thing I've found, Mikey. I think I think the the phrase that I some think sums it up the best, especially around something like selling players and things like that, is mm. is to kind of know the cost of everything, the value of nothing. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's a harsh teacher, and it's sort of telling me that look at the decisions we had. Tuckles firing, okay, we were poor, but it's not aged well considering who we brought nope. in. Uh numerous youth players and selling any academy player because pure profit sales. You know, we were buying loads of youth, no no experience. That's not really worked. It, it just seems to be that we're going down the wrong path. I mean, it, it's kind of like me trusting a GPS that just keeps leading me into a dead end. You know, they've got some serious learning to do when it comes to steering the ship that is Chelsea Football Club. What 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 do you think, Chris, on it all? Um, I mean, I agree with you completely. Uh, Thank you. I think the one, <laughs> the one thing that... that... I don't get about it more than anything because it was only a few weeks ago that we heard that the board wanted Poch to have more of a say on transfers. Well, mm. clearly not. Oh, exactly. It's like it's like they've invited him in as a token gesture. You can come mm. and sit in the room, but you have no say. So <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I think we, I think with Gallagher, and I understand where you're coming from, Ollie, because obviously everyone does have a price. I think, yeah. and I have seen some Chelsea fans saying about they would still sell Gallagher. I think, though, you have to think sometimes that you can't put a price on intangible things. And the fact that the example that Gallagher sets, the fact that he's one of the very few players now who's been around the club for a number of years, the fact that he understands the club... um. The, the, it's all similar stuff we, we used to say about Mason Mount in a way. Um Got this I, well, I, I think you <laughs> I don't I don't think you can put a price on that sort of stuff. So could we replace Gallagher? Yeah, of course we could. We could get a player who's just as good as him. There's no even doubt better, about maybe. that. Because yeah, even better. Who's but, 17. But would they care <laughs> South America? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would they actually care though as much as he does about the club? And no, honestly, I don't know. They any, probably wouldn't. I don't think anyone at the club cares about the club as much as Gallagher does. Exactly. No, and, and, so. and when you and when you put it that way, it does look like a mistake to sell him for sure. But for yeah. me, it's just that I think every like I said, everyone's got a price, and I wonder. You, it's difficult because Poch. Uh, Poch is using Gallagher really well and he's working in his system really well. But Poch isn't going to stay forever. And is the next manager going to use Gallagher? Well, the others have so far to varying degrees of success and, and use. But 
In terms of like running the football club and the financial side, I'm wondering if they're seeing it as the best option to get the most pure profit, pure profit possible. I, I, I mean, the thing you know, is with, yeah, I, I know what you mean. At, right at his peak, if you know what I mean. I don't agree with it really. Like, if, I, like I say, I would sell him for the right price, but my point on that being a popular decision with Pochettino then if he's he might not be here in six months 12 months whatever but then you then we've just admitted that Todd Burley might as well put himself in charge because he's going to make all the decisions about what players should be in the squad I think there's a balance to strike with that though because I've seen I've seen lots of people going back and forth about should you give Poch more control over the over players should you let it leave it more to the sporting directors and the reality is you need a mix of both you need you, what you need is the sporting you need the manager telling the sporting directors what profile they need and the sporting yeah. directors going out buying like yeah. or, you know selecting several kinds of of those players you know who fit those kinds of profiles and then they have a discussion with the manager and work out who's the best fit I don't think they're doing that. I agree. I I I do think I've I've always been against giving managers the exact player that they want because otherwise you end it. up with like Conte's dead yeah, wood, and we exactly. only managed we've to end up it. shifting the end the the rest of that in what last last summer. So we, yeah, it has a long term problem. We've mm-hmm. seen it more than any other club probably. Um, that if you get a load of players in just for one manager then it doesn't it doesn't really serve the club long term my issue with the whole Gallagher thing is he's very usable when you look at his profile for numerous managers and I I, I don't think he would he's not necessarily just a potch player and I would have more sympathy with them had they not given out eight-year contracts to everyone else yeah. so it you know like Let's say Poch isn't here in six months, 12 months. What about if the next manager comes in and he doesn't fancy Caicedo or Enzo or Mudrick? <laughs> They're staying. We've got, well, we, we've got the I same problem with those players anyway. You you are right, Chris, but I guess the, the difference is players would be hard to sell by the very nature of the fact that we've given them such long deals, right? And so there's mm-hmm. probably more of an onus, fairly or unfairly, for the manager to try and make that work than it is for an academy kid who will go for pure yeah. profit. You know, mm. like whether you agree with it or not, he, Gallagher's easier to sell, especially considering the makeup of the midfield going forward because we've got about 19 midfielders contracted to the club at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, listeners, let us know. We've, we've put a question in the little Spotify bit. So, yeah, let us know. Uh, in the WSL, Chelsea went on the road to Bristol City. Here's the match report. Chelsea versus Bristol. It was on the road. It was in Bristol. And in a strategic move, Emma Hayes orchestrated four changes from the midweek 0-0 draw with Hacken. Uh, bringing in Hannah Hampton in goal for her debut, along with the inclusion of Ashley Lawrence, Nushkin and Lauren James. Adding to the significance of the day, Micah Hamano made her debut appearance from the bench. While Sophie Ingle marked her 200th game for the Blues against uh, one of her former clubs in Bristol. So, from the opening kickoff, the Blues displayed an early dominance, as we tend to expect, orchestrating several corners and showcasing promising attacking play down the right hand side. The breakthrough, though, came on the 16th minute as James, with a, a, a fine touch of brilliance, turned her marker before unleashing an unstoppable left footed effort into the top corner. Uh, Building on the momentum, Chelsea secured a second goal in the 33rd minute through a fluid attacking move down the left. Wrighton's precise cross found Cuthbert, 
who expertly volleyed the ball into the bottom corner, doubling the lead. Captain Sam Kerr came close to adding a third, but was denied in a one-on-one situation by the Bristol City keeper, Olivia Clark. The half-time break saw Hampton making a crucial one-on-one save to protect the Blues' two-goal advantage and clean sheet. Second half started with Chelsea continuing their ball manipulation, probing for a decisive third goal. Ingle, on a milestone appearance, showed her defensive prowess with a crucial recovery challenge. The anticipated third goal, though, it came just shy of the hour mark. It was a result of a trademark link-up play between Wrighton and Kerr. Wrighton's chipped cross found Kerr, who expertly guided a header beyond Clark, further solidifying Chelsea's command of this game. A double change on the 65th minute saw Aggie Beaver-Jones and Mia Official entering the fray for Wrighton and Kerr. Further subs included Fleming and Hamano for Kirby and James, with Perisset replacing Lawrence. Um, despite Neve Charles receiving a red card and an extended eight minutes of stoppage time, Chelsea maintained dominance. Beaver-Jones did go close to making it four, but you know what? It concludes an impressive 2023 in the WSL with a commanding 3-0 victory at Ashton Gate. Bristol City nil, Chelsea three. A bloody lovely goal from James, a trademark header from Kerr, and a volley from Cuthbert gave Chelsea three points in the final WSL game of 2023. Uh, any thoughts on it, Chris? I've got a couple, but you you are the you are the expert here. Uh, I was happy to see Hannah Hampton make her debut. Um, she was, she was very list. good. Yeah, she was very very yeah. good. She made an excellent double save at uh, one she point, did. didn't she? Yeah, clean um, shoot in your debut. And it was it was a comfortable performance. I just I do I do still worry about us defensively. I just for some reason this season we just seem so much more open than we was last year. I I think now the Millie Bright injury has been massive. Um but I do think of all the departures that we've saw, I think we're feeling the Ericsson one more than anyone else. I think you can see that we're really missing mm. her at the back. And then when you take Bright out as well, it's a real problem. Um we gave up sort of half chances to Bristol City that they they wasn't really clinical enough to take, but better teams probably would have done more with. Um, but it was a really comfortable performance, and it it was definitely a bounce back from the two disappointing results against Arsenal and 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 Hacken on on Thursday. Mm, mm, that's fair. Um, yeah, three points against Bristol City means obviously we're in we're top of the WSL with a three-point advantage over City in second because Arsenal went and lost against Spurs. So thanks Spurs. That's weird to say, but you know, heading into that winter break though, you know, I feel that Kerr and Kirby will be glad to have the rest because they kind of looked a bit knackered against Bristol to be fair. Um, Spurs looked a little bit off it all season, I think. I mean, um, she's had a weird year though, isn't she? Like yeah. where like, like she got injured and yeah, in the World Cup, wasn't it? But, well, yeah. for the think World Cup. The the weird thing with Kerr this year is, for the first time ever, I think she looks unsure in front of goal. There was. Did you think it's confidence? Contract know, coming up, maybe. There was two. There was two one on one she had in this game. Both times she hit the goalkeeper, and like we've seen how clinical Sam Kerr has been in the past, that she doesn't really miss those chances, and mm. you can almost see her making a decision now rather than it being instinctive. It could just be. A lack a, a little bit of a lack of sharpness or I don't know whether the whole contract thing's playing on her mind because there's rumours isn't there about she did her oh, is it her fiance is it are they engaged I think they're engaged now 
coming over here or is Kerr going to go to America because they want to be together? They don't want to do long distance anymore. Yeah, I think that's the thing sometimes... as well. Like, life stuff like that really can have a, yeah. an effect on a player. And, and, yeah, 100%. And people don't always know what's going on. I think exactly. that her fiancé plays for Gotham FC, which great name yeah, for she a club. Does. Great yeah, name. They... So, yeah. they, just, they, they just won the league, didn't they? Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, they did. Um, and I just I know the rumor is that either they're gonna they want they don't want to do long distance, so one of them's mm. moving one way or the other. So it will be interesting to see whether when that gets all sorted out and and that whether it translates on the pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that our final competitive fixture of the year does see us return to you, Champions League this Wednesday, twentieth of December. We're, we're taking on Hacken on match day four in Gothenburg, big one. Hopefully three points. Really need to win that. Really need to win that. Especially with the year on a high as well. Not even that, just to like just to really beat Hacken and and show that the the one off performance that you know, where we were really poor in front of goal you know, it was just a bit of a fluke. Yeah, hundred percent. Um the other match that happened was we won a game. We statis what we're sponsored by. The match report Chris. is sponsored. We won a game and we scored two goals. <laughs> Chris, um, shout, Chris shouting in our group chat, we are staying up really. We are really so now. staying up now. I know it. I know it. 2 0 um, against Sheffield United. I've got some winners. That's a relegation <laughs> six pointer, lads. That was important. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick to the tried and tested three for three format and I'll pick my first winner. I'll jump in with. Someone that Ollie loves, and apparently Leon wants on loan, and I believe our ownership probably will give them him on loan. Um, Benoit Badiashil. He cost Benoit. us. Benoit. He cost us only, and I'm going to say only now, 38 million around that. He's, he's right in the sweet spot. He, exact. Chris loves that rough figure for a player. And yeah. yet again, another delivery on our, one of our best signings. Uh, absolutely yeah. magnificent in the game. Look calm, focused. He's just damn good. Did anyone see where he? Uh, he by the way, uh, Badia Shield is six foot four. And um, did wow. anyone see that bit where um, he 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 was literally being backed into by one of Sheffield United's attackers, and he brought the ball down with a scorpion kick? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if Incredible. anyone's seen that. It was absolutely unbelievable. Like his close control is just absolutely fantastic. Play, he plays that? the game like he's like he is a coach who's coached for a thousand years. That's how he plays the game. <laughs> he's great. He is fucking great. Oh, right. I'll go to Chris. Chris, who's a winner? Uh, I'll do two of mine together because there was, a, there, was, there was a pair on the day. Um, okay. Caicedo and Gallagher. Um, Gallagher's yeah. one I think, I think that's the. I think that's the most balanced that double pivots looked hmm. all season, actually. Um, I wonder who was missing, Chris. And. I just, do you know what it was? It, it, it was more. It was more the fact what it allowed Caicedo to do. Um, yeah, I agree. Caicedo played more like he did at Brighton. He he would play deeper, but then when he went forward, Gallagher would sit in, and you could see that Caicedo was more comfortable leaving Gallagher by himself than he is leaving Enzo by himself, and mm. rightfully so, because um, they can both do that job. Um, so I thought it was Caicedo's probably most effective game um mm. even though he didn't really have any defending to do because Sheffield United are dog shit um Jesus Christ I mean did they cross the halfway line at any point no, that was they're, absolutely they're, sh- I, I, they are comfortably the worst team in the league for me worse worse yeah. than um worse than Luton for certain yeah um they did beat but Brentford, I just thought though. that 
Yeah, yeah. And Brentford beat us, so I guess that makes yeah. us the worst team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! <laughs> I just think as well, like Gallagher was back to his best, pressing the ball, winning it high up the pitch, yeah, making things game. happen. Mm. I just think both of them looked like complete box to box midfielders, um, which is what I think you need in that, especially in the games against teams like that at home, where they're not really going to threaten you too much going the other way. So you don't really need a holding player. They have to make stuff happen high up the pitch and they both mm. did. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Ollie, who's your first winner? Gallagher. Gallagher, same as Chris. Yeah. Um, I love yeah, Gallagher. Just, we all do. Just thought, just thought he had a really, really good game. You know, like you say, back to his best after a, a shaky couple of weeks, a shaky yeah. few games. Um, but he, he was doing really well. Uh, the amount of times, especially in the first half, which was, we'll get to that. Um, the amount of times in the first half, he, he won the ball really high up the pitch. His pressing was good. Um, his discipline looked really good as well, actually. Like, there were several times where like I saw him going for a 50-50. I thought, ah, is he going to lunge in? And he didn't. And he'd mm-hmm. still won the ball anyway. So I, I was quite, you know, I was happy with that. I mean, I wouldn't say I was impressed. It's the bare minimum to not get sent off. But... Um, <laughs> But other than that, he, had, you know, that's hard for Chelsea players at the moment. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, thought he had a really good performance overall, and I'm, uh, I'm very pleased for him. Oh, awesome. Uh my second winner, stats. You know, they were, they were a loser last week, but a winner this. Um, I'll lead with this mindfucker of a stat. Nicholas Jackson has more goals in all competitions this season than Darwin Nunes, despite no European football for us. Uh, what? As, I saw I, the, I saw the what? weirdest thing ever. That uh, somebody put on on X or Twitter, whatever you prefer. We do not and, say uh, X; we say Twitter. Come on, okay. we're not doing that. But we refuse <laughs> to. Um, but anyway, someone put it on 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 Twitter uh, that <laughs> that if Jackson had taken all of our penalties this season and scored, he'd have like twelve or thirteen goals. Wow, that's, that's a bonus. Yeah, like but when you think about it, a lot of the strikers for other teams do take their penalties. Like I think Haaland's mm. got Haaland. Sorry, he's got fifteen goals. I think. Well, like four of them are penalties, something yeah. like that, you know. Like, so he's not at when P, when you look at it that way, it's not that far off what you actually expected in you know, and in his first mm. season in the league. But it that conversation on stats is really difficult as well because he hasn't got 30, 12 or 13, he's actually got seven or seven or eight. And if you take away like four goals, uh, three goals, which he got in one game, he's got three or four. Yeah, so um, like it, yeah, the, that um, kind of stats thing, it kind of goes both ways. Do you see what I'm could, saying? If he could just polish up certain parts of the game, young player, you know, get finishing, stop, stop get yeah, finishing, <laughs> not getting booked, he could be a main forward. Um, other stats: one plus one. Uh, last three instances of a Chelsea player scoring and assisting in a game in the Premier League: Cole Palmer versus Sheffield United, Cole Palmer versus Spurs, and Cole Palmer versus Burnley. And <laughs> I wonder this if he's going to be our player of the season. <laughs> It might be Cole Palmer. Um, This is my favourite stat. And it's zero because Chelsea had not won a Premier League game this season where they were drawing nil-nil at half-time. Oh, I must admit, we we, I mean, first of all, the fact that that's a thing is worrying. But the fact that we've finally just gone, broken it, gone, throw it in the bin. And of course, um, there's the other stat as well, which that's the first time that we've won back-to-back home game. Or yeah, was it home game? Was it back-to-back yeah. home game since October 2022? Wow, we're yeah, we are bad, we're it? back over a year. We are back, boys. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a title charge. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll we'll do a snake to back to Ollie. Who's your winner? Yeah, uh, Cole Palmer. Um. You know, I thought his first half actually, and this is going to be weird because I'm about to criticise him. Thought his first half was poor. 
thought, the thought yeah, the really half was boring. Yeah, he had he had a he had a really good referee's performance in the first half because I didn't even <laughs> I couldn't even see he was there. Um, but in the second half, he he was running the show by the end of the game. You, you know, like um, I think he got the assist for Jackson's goal. He obviously scored himself as well. Um, really nice finish. Just really deserves his plaudits. You know, didn't yeah. play that well in the in the first half. There was a, some kind of tactical tweak, I think, at halftime, mm-hmm. and he absolutely flourished in the second. Really was running the game, and that's we need to be getting the best out of him if we want to be winning games. And and we did. Hundred percent. Uh, Chris, can I uh, just just before I give my I just sound Palmer. Yeah. That mm. I think it's actually really good that we've got an attacking player now in Palmer who doesn't have to have a really good game to get a goal or an assist. Mm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he was great at Old Trafford and he scored. I didn't think he was great against Burnley earlier in the season yeah, and he scored and got an assist. He did. I, and I didn't think for 80% of this game, I don't think he was great, but he still got the crucial goal. And but an more assist. or less won us the game by himself. And, yeah. I, and I think if you if you aren't having the, the best, best game ever, like he wasn't, and you still impact the game that way. Like you say, Chris, that is such a valuable thing to yeah. have in a play. I've always said I would rather have an attacker who is effective in terms of can live in moments and you might not see him for a large part and then in a moment they'll do something than mm-hmm. have attacking players who look good but don't do anything. And <laughs> I think you we've had Jackson too many fits of them. that role as well? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, um, which follows on actually to my last winner, oh. which is Nicholas Jackson. We didn't even um, plan that, folks. We just we're just so in sync. <laughs> really good. I show. I just do not know what to make of Nicholas Jackson because <laughs> I watch him play and I think he is absolutely fucking terrible. <laughs> but then what a compliment! But then, he's the worst best striker I've ever seen. <laughs> but Whoa. then he he has already beaten our top goal scorers for the last three years. Yeah, yeah. and, and, it's, not, like and it's not even Christmas. Yeah, he's got more so, than Havertz has wow. ever, ever got for us yeah. in the season. Oh, and yeah, man. like you well, say, it's not even Christmas. If by the end of the season he's got 10, 15 goals, I think, like, you, know, but, you know, like if he keeps on at roughly the same pace, you know, he'll have 15, 16 goals, you know, and that's a really good first season in the Premier League I, as, as a striker. Yeah, yeah, I, just yeah, think it's, I just think it's weird now because I almost don't know what we're judging anymore because <laughs> ultimately a striker is there to score goals and... He is, for the large part, doing that. Um, when you look at the some of the chances he's missed as well, if he refines his finishing, he's obviously in the right place for most of the time um, to be getting the tap-ins that he's getting. Uh, I think his overall play is pretty shit, but, I mean, he's there to, he's there to score and, and he is doing it. And I don't know now whether he's actually being harshly judged by everybody me included like is he actually better than we're giving him credit for because he has he is getting more goals it reminds me actually a little bit of when we had tammy abraham and everyone yeah he got a lot of criticism and actually yeah in a similar ilk he actually scored pretty reliably for us and was our best striker since costa so Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i mean like i don't know whether people want everyone a striker now to be Everything the complete forward. And I think Kane's we're, ruined we're, it basically because Kane. Yeah, is the we're just striker. We're mm. just not accepting that we're not going to get a player like that. So let's just be happy we've we've got one who mm. will score like one in three. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ollie, we're snaking back to you. Who's your final winner? 
Final winner for me. Um, it's a bit of a pity one, but it's also, um, you know, it's also nice to see it. Uh, Petrovic, full start, full, uh, full, mm. you know, starting debut, gets a clean sheet. Perfect game for him, really, in terms of, you know, like not having that much to do um, at all, really, um, which is a testament to the defence in itself. Man's mm. an absolute albatross as well. I don't know if, you, if, if you've seen him like with the one picture with his arms out wide. He, he, he's absolutely huge. Great wingspan. That's- yeah, unbelievable. He'd be a great basketball player if he wasn't yeah. a keeper. But um, but yeah, just was just happy to see him start. And um, you know, like I said, didn't really see much of him in terms of um, like what he can do yet. But we will against Newcastle. Mm. So um, but I don't know something about the game. Even though we didn't really see him do anything, gives me a bit more confidence. Just that we've seen him play already, and he didn't like make a massive error. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I know it's a bit harsh to put it's, it's a bit weird to put him on the winners because n- because of that but I don't know it was just nice to see him nice to see a debut for a change yeah uh my final winner is New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick because <laughs> I'll tell you why I was it just came hang on you got to hear me out here. he might get fired at the end of the season so that'd be quite ironic but I'll tell you why I I was looking through his quotes that just did, genuinely just came from my feed and some of them resonated with his Chelsea squad so here are some uh, we have to get good at not losing games before we get good at winning them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair yeah. Doing that. yeah. That's a bit Michael Owen-y, but I get it. Yep. Good players can't overcome bad coaching. That's very true. To, this is a good one. To live in the past is to die in the present. Oh, doesn't that hit home? Oof. The less versatile you are, the better you have to be at what you do well. Talent, this is the final one. Talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. Spot on. Yeah, that yeah. that one is the biggest yeah. one of all. Yeah. I don't think we've ever yeah, had a winner a or a loser from a different sport before. Yeah, it's just, that one up, I, right? it that's just came up. It, I just was looking through them going, bloody hell, you could just parachute. If he gets fired by the Patriots, parachute him into Jefferson just to go, no, 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 on half of our team. Uh, losers, I, I have three again. Um, oh, you know what? I'll let Chris kick off. Um, Potch is my first loser. Oh, yep. Um, yeah, Bill's, I think, Bill's already looking at his job now. <laughs> I think for it was a win, sure. Um, mm-hmm. Was it a, dra- a drastic improvement on performance? Not really. Um, mm. I thought think we, we lose. I think we lose that game to many, many other teams in the league. Yeah, I think it was a game that was won by. Firstly, a bit of individual brilliance from Sterling on the wing to put the ball across for Palmer to put in, and then a mistake essentially from Sheffield United. I don't know what I was doing for the that, that second goal. Just still doesn't make sense. No, I, that, that, that's that was like a, a really FIFA weird goal. One. That was. Yeah, I've <laughs> um, never seen anything like it. But like, it was weird that Sheffield decided to just like, it just kind of switched off. That <laughs> thing you said about Sterling, though, Chris, I'm not sure I 100% agree with you because I don't know if you've seen the replay of that goal. He doesn't even look up. And he just like, and he did it like five or six times bef- in the first half before one actually ha- like got to a player of ours in the second. In fairness, just, though, just smashing the ball to the first defender without even looking. It's like surely, like I understand, like he's being coached and he's being told to do that, but surely part of the instruction is look up. Surely, yeah. But I, I, I do think once you, once you get into the position that he was in, you find an area and then you hope someone attacks I just it. Think and hope for that area. sort of thing is so unreliable. Um, but again, that that's why you potch is a loser for you, right? The way we were being set up right now. Yeah. 
Um, mm. Yeah, because I'm still not really seeing any sort of patterns apply or any sort of ideas in terms of what the team's doing to try and break down these low blocks. I thought the first mm. half again was very mundane. We just kept doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that Sheffield United would switch off and they didn't. Um, the, the main reason he's a loser for me, though, he really, really missed an opportunity to bring in Kunku on Ooh. for his debut. Oh, I'm really um, glad you said him. Because and he gave a reason for it as well, didn't there he? Would so have he didn't been, risk it. Yeah, but there would be no easier game to the give him his debut than this so, one. We yeah, will not have an easier game just from 20 minutes in a game that you win. Yeah. Fans are cheering mm-hmm. you on, you know, like yeah. all of that. That that last that last 10 minutes, the game was absolutely dead. There was no intensity in it at all. It was like a training ground exercise it, and to be honest no we could have played for another hour bring him and, on and, give and him Sheffield his debut yeah i mean exactly uh, i i uh, just uh, i just think it would have given the fans a massive lift yeah. but also it would have given kunku he's made his debut now but now yeah. he's gonna he's gonna yeah. wait until we need him and then when 100%. he comes on and he's not ready and he doesn't do anything can we end up losing and then people will go oh and kunku was shit come on didn't mm. make any difference i just think it was a real opportunity missed and that is why christopher and kunku is my loser because pochettino in his pre-game talk had folks buzzing with the news that he's going to be in the squad and the fan base were you just look online. They were edge of the seats, eager to see his debut. And just, just oh, the wait continues. You know, he decided to keep Nkunku warm in the bench. Some might argue that with the score in the game pretty much in the bag at 2 it was a perfect moment to dust off those cobwebs as Chris has touched on. I'm one of those people that think that, you know, giving Nkunku that, that small taste of action. But nope, Poch is playing this long game and... Look, he's wrapping the new kid in cotton wool, making sure that, you know, he stays in condition for as long as possible. Even though we signed him a year ago. Have you seen that? (laughs) I know. I mean, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like guarding a rare collector's item. Like if you unveil it when the time's right, he's our, he's our, except unlike those collector's items, the less you use them, the the less malleable they become. Yeah. I'm just sort of thinking, come on, Pop. How about we throw him on against Newcastle, who really need to win the game? What a great idea. And Poch has said that Uh, he probably will get minutes versus Newcastle. So I just, it just seems like to do it the wrong way round. I don't know. This could be a smart move or an absolute clusterfuck. It's like, oh, no. Um, Uh, Same as Chris Pochettino. We're on a wavelength today, buddy. Um, Yeah. First of all, um, I thought it was a cowardly lineup. To start off with, I really, really hated the team. Um, for me, we, for, for me, especially the defence, because I just don't like having four centre backs um, across the back line. It really, for me, it doesn't work. Um, I understand yeah. in terms of Poch, he's like he's sticking to his principles, but actually, you need to also not be one dimensional, uh, and that's really important. It's up to a manager to find solutions and to be adaptive. And if you don't have fullbacks, don't play fullbacks. Like the bare minimum for me, for a manager, is most players playing in their natural position. You know, if you count both fullbacks mm. and Palmer, you've got three players out of position, like most games, you know, because Palmer's a winger at the end of the day. He's yeah. doing very well at attacking mid, but he's, he's a, he, he is a winger more than he is one of those. So for me, I thought it was a really, really good opportunity to go with three at the back, um, you know, like because yeah. you could have someone yeah. like Matson at left wing, left wing back, or even Mudrick. Someone would have to fill in at right wing back, admittedly, but Having one person to mm. it out and, and fill in at right back is much better than having three players out of position every game for me. And 
So I just thought it, and mm. um, for what it for me, it highlighted Pochettino a real issue for me with Pochettino in that he's more he's more focused on coaching comfortably for himself because that he thinks that's what he will that's how he'll get the best out of the team if he can coach really well rather than necessarily playing to the yeah. players' strengths. And for me, with uh with the young squad that we've got, it just it seems to me like you almost want to do it the other way around where actually you're you're trying to get the best out of your players, even if that makes maybe puts you in an unfamiliar situation in terms of formation or, or whatever. I understand there's a fine balance to strike there, but for me, with due to the ma- nature and the makeup of our squad, we need a manager and we need tactics that are going to get the best out of the players, not the best out of the coach. And um the other thing with Poch is, you know, like the subs were weird as well. You know, like, like that was the other part that that made me make him a loser because, like you said about Nkunku, but also said he was resting Enzo for the Newcastle game, then brought him on after an hour. If you're going to rest <laughs> yeah. him, rest him, yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like otherwise, is he just saying nothing or like, it's just really annoying because then you don't know what the manager's thinking and then Enzo's confused as well. And like, he's just, for me, Poch got it wrong, but yeah. Sheffield was so bad that it didn't matter. Mm. Um, snaking back to me I've got 50 minutes because we were completely shut out for a solid 50 minutes Poch's halftime team team talk seemed to have worked I mean though I do I swear that if the Blades had like got the upper hand scored first I think it would have been packy bags go home with a 1-0 defeat because the stakes felt that high you know it's Mm -hmm. I mean if they nicked one they would have won it for sure yeah that's what's worrying I mean well Sterling you know, with Sterling, I love him, but you never know what you're going to get with him. You know, some games he's sort of pulling rabbits out of hats, winning them single-handedly. Others, David Copperfield act, he's vanished. And yeah. on the theme of magic, here's one. Matson, the Matson mystery. Um, it, I did think to myself, if he didn't get a shot against Sheffield United, chances are that he's going to be warming on that bench for good and then sold. Uh, Poch might have been given the memo by the board that he's on the transfer list. I mean, strategic moves, you know, keeping a poker face, but a 90th minute cameo. For me, that means he's gone in the new year because what's the point, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean as well. It, it seems to... I, I just, it's what really frustrates me as well about the way Poch is setting up because we have the personnel to do back the uh, a back three much more than we do a back four, in my view. Mm. Like and, and us not doing that just seems like it's setting the whole club back for me like in terms of players and their development in their positions and winning games and the culture and all the rest of it Mm. it feels like that would suit everything so much better yeah yeah Yeah. uh chris who's a winner a loser even we've done that (laughs) um some people are gonna be back again but um oh no he's not i'm gonna say enzo now for fuck's Um, sake (laughs) And for, for, not really for anything that he did, not for anything that, although, did give the ball away very cheaply at least three or four times when he came I, up. I imagine every time Enzo enters the field, Chris is studying oh, intensely. Uh, but, you can imagine Chris stubs his toe later tonight and just goes, bloody Enzo again? But, <laughs> no, hear me out. Mainly because I think <sighs> the gallagher Caicedo pivot looked better without him. Um which again is out of his control, really. But I do think the balance in midfield looked better. And sometimes, like your worst games as a player, are the ones you don't play. Mm. They can either be your best games or your worst games. Um, and also, Poch's comments after the game about him. Um, yeah, that was confusing about how it was like it was a better game. 
it, it was a better game to save Enzo and but yeah. because they wanted him for Newcastle when when we knew Sheffield were going to sit in a low block. Like surely you want Enzo for that. But he said, didn't he, as well that he did say after that he wasn't being rested. It was it was purely tactical that he just thought it was he wasn't suited to this game. And I think well if he's not suited to this game, what game is he suited to then? Because like you just said, everyone. Everyone and their dog thinks Enzo's best um, attribute is passing. Um, I argue that because I haven't really seen him break down a low block, but everyone says that that's what it is. So if you're going to play him in any game, it would be this one. Like, mm. I don't really see what he offers in like more difficult games. So I don't really... I just think Poch made that comment, didn't he, a few weeks ago. Well, it, it was probably longer than that now. Um towards the start of the season about almost like a little gripe that he has to play Enzo and Caicedo because the people upstairs spent so much money on them. Um, mm. And I, and it seems now like maybe has he just thought, well, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. Um, and I'm, I'm not convinced whether Poch actually fancies Enzo all that much. If I'm I'd honest. be interested to see from this point how much Enzo plays. For me, mm. that 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 would be the thing for me because if he then does start getting dropped to the bench more more frequently, then then that kind of that's writing on the yeah. wall. Then surely, yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, round your losers off. Why not? Uh, Ollie's gonna hate me. Uh, oh, but... oh, no, no, it's not as fair. I I thought he he was absolutely anonymous in the second half. Yeah. Um. I mean, the shot alone in the first half deserves to be on the losers list. <laughs> to be fair, he did have to shoot. There was no one around him, but it was an yeah. ad, like at least get it in the same postcode, mate. Come yeah, on, exactly. If you're gonna put it, if you're gonna miss the target, put it in the stand at least. Not don't put it in the other stand. <laughs> <laughs> don't put it in I, Fulham Stadium at least. Yeah, I just think, yeah, he just didn't really do anything, and he's really frustrating, Mudrick, because he has these little flashes. Little moments, like the lead up to the shot, the the little turn away from the defender in midfield was Hazard esque. Yeah, that's what brilliant. Hazard used to do. He used to come short into that sort of half space, half on the left, half central, beat the defender. Difference was Hazard would go from make something happen and Mudrick hit the corner flag. But <laughs> he has these moments where you think he has got something. Uh, I think his delivery off his weaker foot on the left-hand side. He's actually pretty good. Mm. But he just he's just he's just not affecting games at all. Like but, aside but, from one or that, two little highlight moments, he does nothing. There's a weird thing though as well that like because I completely agree with you Chris. It seems like he's just not affecting games at all. And yet every time he goes off the attack gets worse. Every time. Without you think fair. that's down to the fact though, that the fact the people we're bringing on are just shitter. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's there is some kind of fear because Mudrick is rapid, if nothing else. Uh, maybe people get you know a what? bit get I a bit time instead right. of standing off him. I don't know. My thing, my thing with Mudrick though that really frustrates me every time I watch him play is he is one of the quickest players in the league. Oh yeah, and he he constantly comes to feet. He and he refuses to hug the line. <laughs> he I refuses have, yeah. to stay wide, which is I if you never... are rapid, just do a walk up. Stay wide have, and just sprint all game. I have only seen him make a run in behind once all season, and that was against Fulham when he scored. <laughs> if he did that, if he did that more, 
<laughs> if he did that more, he'd get more chances. But his movement is honestly horrendous. He just uh, doesn't move. I mean, okay, my final loser is forwards. Maybe, maybe harsh, but hear me out. Uh, despite that, the shocking miss, Broya displayed. He improved. Oh he looked, God, he I improved, forgot about but, that. Yeah, Literally I did. I did. That was awful. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, he should have been on my losers list it, just it, for that. I, I feel maybe it's. He's experiencing a bit of dip in confidence because of returning from that injury, you know. I mean, if he, if he wasn't oh, before, he is now. <laughs> but we we need to be scoring goals now. I mean, same with Jackson. You know, when he plays that focal point up front, it doesn't work well. You know, he look he looks better on the wing, if I'm honest. So that's you know, this is kind of why we really need Inkunku to hit the ground running because we need the the veteran almost that proven goal scorer to come to this side. I veteran. feel like if you have in this squad. I know. Veteran. I feel He's like twenty six years you old. You know what? Genuinely, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if we had Jackson on the left, Sterling on the right, and maybe Olivier Giroud back, we'd probably score yeah. more. We'd be in fifth. Yeah. We'd be in fifth. It's just it's so bizarre, but it's so true. I do um, want to see how Nkunku he scores so many goals. I do want to see what happens when Nkunku comes back and how he works with Jackson because they both kind of occupy similar spaces on that left side. He'll pick so up a knock well. and be on a rehabilitation program. Oh, yeah. He's now undergoing his rehabilitation no. program for the next two centuries. Yeah. Um, who's your final loser, Ollie? Uh, it's kind of similar to you attacking play. Um, yeah, we've always uh, said but, it. You know, just really anemic again a lot of the time, really struggling. Um, to see with our attack but i feel like i've identified some of the issue around it is it, you know pochettino again so what you like about the manager he has come out himself in the past and say that he wants his players to have more freedom instead of controlling what players do in the final third that's fine if you're eden hazard right and you can yeah. turn ma- you can make magic moments out of absolutely nothing right and when you're a veteran of the game someone like di maria right you know who like who knows exactly what to do in situations cuz he's been in so many situations right mm. but when you've got a young team who most of the time aren't necessarily sure what they're doing anyway and there's a lot of them are really inexperienced they need copious instructions attacking wise and that's why every time we get past the halfway line we look like we don't know what we're doing cuz the players don't cuz co- cuz pot isn't coaching them in attack he he literally yep. isn't. And 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 that's so frustrating because again, a bit like the thing before, that's just holding back the development of our entire attack. You know, yeah. like how if these players aren't drilled and aren't able, you know, aren't running circuits or aren't, you know, aren't gaining familiarity with situations that they will find themselves in in games, in training, how are they ever going to adapt in game? I just I don't like for me, think... it's a massive bugbear for me because I just I don't see why you why you would do it that way round. I agree. I think the thing is, you can give complete freedom if you're working with 28, 29 plus year old world class attackers who yeah. don't really need coaching. But when yeah, you're working with young you know players, they're gonna do, you know they're going to do something and you yeah. know that you have to trust in them that they're going to do something amazing. He needs, he needs to take more of a leaf out of the Guardiola Klopp book of like how many attackers go to Liverpool and genuinely completely fail it's not many because Klopp coaches them really well Um, Guardiola the same all the attackers that go to Man City do really well because he coaches them really well like you look at like Dominic Calvert-Lewin talking about Ancelotti how he simplified Calvert-Lewin's game and it was the best he ever played Ollie Watkins has said the same about Emery, about Emery came in and he just completely changed him as a player because he coached him really well about exactly. areas and that, where and he should be. Difference. And that's it's what It's so transformational need. if you can make that happen. And, and Poch yep. isn't at the moment. And that's one thing that really is frustrating me about him because if he, 
Because we know what he can do with attackers. We know what he can do with with Hyungman Son and Harry Kane and Sadio Mane. You know, like we know what he can do with play, these players who actually, when he turned up, weren't amazing, but he made them really good in attack. Mm, yeah. So why isn't he doing it now? Yeah. Uh, emoji reviews. I've got a smiley face because we won. <laughs> so I got. Nice. You might see in Kunku in the midweek as well. I've got to be smiley. I I I went with the shrug um, on Chris's uh, <laughs> on Chris's uh, you know with a little bit of an homage to Chris because I just wasn't impressed. Um, beating Sheffield is the absolute bare minimum. Yeah, because um, like fair. I said, that they're the worst team in the league by by some distance. I think um, I'll be more impressed if we see a, a decent performance versus Newcastle, but. Mm. I don't know, like it that felt more like a training session than a game. So I, I don't even know how ready the players are going to be for that. Uh, Chris, yeah, uh, thumbs up, um, job done on to the next, but yeah. nothing to shout about. Yeah, um, line of the week, we'll go through them from Friday. I had Enzo, Berth had Kunku, Oli had Petrovic. Uh, Petrovic, probably the best wow. of those. I win, <laughs> you win, you win <laughs> by default. He, he, he had absolutely nothing to do all game. <laughs> Yeah. He, he he made one save for a free kick that was going wide. <laughs> Bloody hell, what, what a game for him. Um, you know what? We've got Newcastle, so some midweek Lions. And naturally, you know, the wheel, the roulette wheel. So let's find out. I've got to keep the promise. I hope it's someone who's not injured. Come on, come on. Oh, Bettinelli. oh well, he's got no hope. <laughs> Trevor Chalaber. Oh, it's Trevor Chalaber. It's Trevor Chalaber. <laughs> All right. Will he play? I he's, gonna, it. he's locked no. it in, the folks. <laughs> I've got no choice. Trevor Chalifer's my lot. Oh, I'm doomed. Um, what have you got, Ollie? Um, I'm gonna go with I hate this Moises Caicedo. Um, I think we're gonna need to flood the midfield. I think we're gonna and he's gonna be a, a vital part of playing those kind that kind of small ball coming breaking out from the back and also you know in going forward as well i think if he has a good game we we stand a chance of um of winning quite comfortably chris uh it's a difficult game to judge uh actually to try and pick a small one a month ago <laughs> i was yeah, millimeters away from petrovic like, being the choice <sighs> i don't know whether it's going to be one of them games where we're going to have to defend well or attack well like it's 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 really mm. weird because newcastle are a funny team aren't they like they'll either mm. come out and like batter you or they'll sit back in and be really good defensively mm. i'll go with um you know what i'll go with jackson he'll probably just play absolutely shit and get another tackle. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, birth picks Bettinelli. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Christmas questions. We've got two. Alexander has asked, "We can we touch on the fact that we finally beat a low block?" I feel that's fair. Uh, what? We... What? Uh, thanks to a hit and hope cross and a mistake. Great. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's um... why I'm not impressed because that it wasn't like. I guess yeah. Like, I mean, if one goes off your backside and you beat a low block, are you impressed? Not really. Like, that's kind of how I feel. I get it. I'm happy we won. I'm just, I don't think it was a performance really worth all that much praise. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, right. My philosophy has asked, I think we should be looking at a new left back and right back. Who do you think would be a great buy? Um, I think Alejandro Balde would be a good choice from Barcelona. Well, they're in debt, uh, so they might actually. <laughs> yeah, they're in debt. Or... They need the money. Uh, he's a good young player, fits the model. Very yeah. good talent. Could see it. Yeah. I mean, for me... I mean, the, the reality mm. is, though, is we're not buying a left-back because we've got four of them. This is the thing. For a left-back, it depends how <laughs> Chilwell comes back from injury and if he's still top, top level, which I believe he will or be. Or Cucurella. 
Exactly. No, if not, I mean, we need a mid-tier. So maybe Napoli's Matthias Oliveira comes to mind. If you're looking at top tier, I'd be heading straight to Munich and just signing Alfonso Davis. Simple yeah, as that. That's uh, an option for sure. Right back is easier because we've got Malo Gusto as the backup. And look, let's just say James is screwed. Hopefully not. But who'd suit the league? I feel Jeremy Frimpong from Leverkusen. He has got negatives that would... You know, would he, would he be suitability for a back four system? But if we're playing back three, you know, he's in attacking inclination. He's only 22. Aspects are coachable. He fits I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that one. What's his name? Klaus. Um, Jonathan Klaus. For, yeah. Don't you play for like Marseille or something? Like, we tried uh, to um, sign him in the summer, I think, and we never did. Yeah, but he, he's quite cheap, but he's got experience, actually. And I don't know. He might be a, a level head that we might need. Uh, you know, never know. It could be a bargain. I mean, he could be. He's also oh, he's thirty-one. No chance. Rule oh, no chance. Yeah. No, 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 sorry, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Your sell by date's gone. Gone. Uh, Chris, who's your who's your choices there? Uh, it is tough, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, the thing is, again, it's another. If we're going to sign someone, then they need to be a, a marked improvement on what we've got. Otherwise, it's just pointless. So I'm, I'm with you on the left back situation. Yeah, if you're not going to get. Alfonso Davis. Mm. Do we really need to sign one? Probably not. Um, right back, I do think probably long term we're going to need someone because I don't know what's going to happen with James. So yeah. I do like Frimpong from from mm. Leverkusen. Um, I don't think the market's great for fullbacks at the minute. To be honest, as a as a solution for that, I wonder if you just bring in an academy kid. You got Gusto, who may be starting for the foreseeable. You got James, obviously, he'll be playing when he comes back. Well, you know. So, do you just fill? Do you just have someone who can fill in? We have lots of decent right backs and right wing backs in the. Academy. I think. I think there's going to be an option though that no one's thinking about with the whole Lewis Hall news. Yeah, I'd like to just see weird. him come back. I'd like to just see him come back for left uh, back. To be honest, the reason I don't think that will happen though is because I because th- the the ownership tried to get rid of him once. I think if he comes back, they'll just flog him again. Mm. Yeah, they will. Yeah, but I mean, I think it'd be stupid. It's a strange one with Lewis Hall. Um, <laughs> I agree, but people do stupid things every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um. Right. We'll end the show with we didn't get to do it last week. So it was just two of us. Uh, Archie Thompson's top trumps. You have to guess whether a club player or whatever I say is higher or lower than the previous entry based on the question. And it's never a question. It's a category, and I always write. I always read the old script because I'm an idiot. <laughs> um. And this week's category is players' heights. So I'll give you a player. you got to tell me if they're taller or shorter than the oh. previous player. And we nice. start with the best height ever. It's five foot ten. It's Kieran Trippier. Uh, Trippier. Um, you know what? I'll go to Ollie. Is Luis Figo taller or shorter than five foot ten? Oh, see, Luis Figo is a tiny bit, not before my time, but like I was very young when he was later on in his career. Great documentary um, on Netflix. Five ten is the poor man's six foot, isn't it? Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> I can I can say that because I'm like five eight five nine anyway. So um, I'm gonna say Luis Figo is shorter. Oh no, he's five foot eleven. He's taller by a ah. Well, it's only an, an inch. inch. <laughs> that matters. Trust me. Um, <laughs> Adrian Rabio is he taller than five foot eleven, Chris? Yeah, he looks over six he's, foot. He's me. massive in these. He's, he's like six three. Six foot one. Really? I, tall Maybe guy. it's just because he's a bit of a beanpole, but I always thought he was really tall. Uh, yeah. You've got Gianluigi Buffon. Oh, yeah. He's like six, six, four, six, six. He is like six, four indeed. Uh, yeah. Chris, you've got Jan Oblak, another one of the goalkeeping team. 
Oh, he's he's taller. It's got to be taller. He, he's not. He's two inches shorter at six foot two. No Sorry. way. He is. He's six foot two. Six foot two. Wow. Yeah. He looks a lot taller than Buffon. Yeah, it's it's the it's the studs in his shoes. They're very you know. Long. <laughs> yeah, must, uh, Ollie, you've got the current player of the month, Harry Maguire. Well, then, sorry, did you say Buffon? No, Oblak. Uh, Oblak, Oblak, six sorry. two. Ooh, uh, yeah, I think Maguire's maybe six three. He's six four. Um, yeah. next up, Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> got to be shorter than that. Is he, he is. shorter than six foot four? Killian Mbappe. Yeah. <laughs> he is five foot ten. Ollie, you've got Philippe Coutinho. Uh, I think Philippe Coutinho is shorter than that. I think he's like five, six, seven, something like he's that. He's five, eight. Ooh, well, sorry for selling you short. Chris, you've got <laughs> Crystal <laughs> Palace. Legend. Legend. Edgar Davids. Most fashionable player of all time, by the way. Uh, I'm going to say taller. <gasps> He's five foot seven. He's shorter. Wow. That is a is surprise. Wow. I wonder if it's like the, it was the ponytail or the glasses that just like yeah, distracted well you from that. <laughs> uh, Ollie, you've got to round off. You've got James Rodriguez. Is he taller or shorter than five foot seven? Oh, that's tough. Because he see, I think he's taller. He's like five ten. I think he is five eleven. Yeah. And to round off the show, is this an easy one or is it a trick one? What am I doing? Uh, Chris, you've got Manuel Neuer. <laughs> I'm sorry. If any goalkeeper, but, if any goalkeeper yeah, but, in the top league is under six foot, <laughs> yeah, but he's just told me that that Jan Oblak's shorter than Buffon, so I, that's completely threw me off in this game. Um, uh, I'll say taller because that's yeah, the logical he's, answer. He's six foot four, and, and look at that! Oh, I'll, I'll get to play this because that's Archie Thompson's top trumps for 2023. Because oh, next week wow. is. You know, New Year's Day is a Monday, so that, that won't be happening. That'll be the New Year. And next week, it's Christmas. So um, we're not recording on Christmas Day because we've got stuff to do. We actually but have lives. We are recording Christmas Eve. So, yeah, we you record know, straight after, after so that won't be <laughs> yeah. uh, chaotic, so we will, will it? Yeah, so it might be a bit <laughs> mad, but you will get an episode on Christmas Eve, so do do listen out for us. We're playing Wolves, so we'll either be very good and very happy or very sad and annoyed and everything will be the worst. This will be... Suck. This will be the first time we've ever recorded the day of the game, I think. Yeah, yeah. and so the the sparks could fly if it doesn't go well. Yeah, we, we are doomed. We are doomed. But it's, <laughs> it's, people keep saying, "Oh, you should record straight after games." Uh, you're going to find out if we should. <laughs> we really <laughs> yeah. are going to find out. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. Right. Thank you for listening to this episode. Treat yourself well. Uh, we'll be back. Friday to review winners and losers against Newcastle. And of course, the huge game in Gothenburg. Got to win. Got to win. Two big games. Got to win both. Uh, so till then, that is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.